right. Well, it is good to be in worship with you this morning. Good to gather together and celebrate the goodness of Jesus. And so we're going we're gonna to take some time and just look to God's word and just continue um, in worship through the studying and the, the listening uh, to, to God's word and what God would say to us in these moments. And we're going to end the service uh, by celebrating in baptism. And so at the end of the, the service today, I'm going to invite you all now to just plan on after the benediction, gathering around this baptism tank, and, and we're going to celebrate some baptisms of some, uh, some people that are ready to take this step of saying, I'm all in, uh, in publicly professing what God is doing on the inside of their hearts, and we're so excited about that today. And so, um, but let's jump in, because I've got a lot to say, and I don't have enough time to say it, all right? So that's just kind of what the, the challenge is this morning. So I'm going to talk fast, and uh, you have to listen fast, all right? And uh, take notes fast, but uh, we are in uh, several weeks in on this series of You Can Do Hard Things, and the, the heartbeat of this series is uh, there are so many things in life that you can't just try to do. You can't just try to be good at certain things. You've got to train to be good at a lot of things in life, and following Jesus is the same way. You can't just pray a prayer, wake up the next morning, and be a perfect follower of Jesus. Um, and some of you have been like, oh, that's the, like, I thought my prayer wasn't good enough or it just didn't stick. No, you prayed just fine, and God forgave you and redeemed you, but there's still a whole lot of growing that he wants to do in your life, and so there is this movement that he wants us to experience, and the key verse that we're talking about in this series is in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 through 8, and it says this, do not waste time arguing over godless ideas and old wives' tales. Instead... Train yourself to be godly. Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. And so I'm so thankful if you're here and you're a guest, uh, I just want to welcome you. Uh, we're just uh, believing that God led you here at just the right day. And if you're a regular here, it's good to see you. For those of you who are connecting with us online, we're grateful for this technology that keeps us connected. And so today we're going to talk about how can we train to be a good worshiper? How can we train to be a good worshiper? And so uh, to help us with that, what I mean is Sometimes we, we make a decision to follow Jesus, we pray a prayer, we get baptized, we, you know, we, we say, all right, I'm, I'm all in, and, and then we just stink at worshiping, all right? We just, we're not good worshipers. Now, we're not good worshipers privately, right? And Monday through Saturday, when you're on your own, like connecting with God in worship, you're, you're not good at that, and, and it feels awkward, and it, it, it just feels difficult. Well, I would just argue to you, it's the same thing when somebody's trying to learn a bike. The first time you ride a bike, it's difficult. It's awkward. It doesn't feel comfortable, but, but the more you practice, the more you train, the more natural it becomes. And some of us Worship is awkward because we've never trained in worship. And nobody's ever explained to us how can we become a better worshiper. And so that's what I hope to do this morning is just to look at God's word and say, how can we, how can we develop a, you know, I don't know how many of you, anybody ever do P90X in here? Any P90X people? All right, yeah, a couple of you, all right. So I did it for like a day or two. Uh, it was awesome. Did not make it 90 days. Um, but, you know, like th this is going to be like the P90X of, you know, maybe not quite, the light version of P90X of how can you train to become 
a better worshiper. And so the key to staying spiritually grounded in your life is to being a, a regular worshiper. Uh, it, it's just, it's so fundamental. Now, uh, you can stink at worshiping and still make it to heaven, all right? You can do that. But you will never be a thriving, effective, spirit-filled, like just exuding the fruit of the Spirit follower of Jesus if you don't figure out how to grow in worship uh, in, in your personal life and corporately. It's just so, so important. You show me a Christian, show me a follower of Jesus that you really look up to, that you respect, that, that is just oozing the fruit of the Spirit, right? I mean, it's just love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. They just got all of that. You show me that person, and I'll show you someone who has prioritized worship in their life. And they have learned and they have trained to be a good worshiper. And so the heart of worship, in your notes, if you're following along, I hope you are. Um, I just gave us a definition. There's so many definitions for how you could define worship, but this is the definition we're going to work with for the sake of today's message. It's taking specific time daily and weekly to reorient my relationship with God, affirming who he is and what he has done and responding to him in praise and thanksgiving and adoration and awe. It's it's just lifting up God and saying, God, I, this is who you are. I'm so thankful for who you are and, and praising him for who he is, for what he has done. And, and learning how to do this well is not something you just, you pray a prayer and get perfect at. It, it is something that you have to grow in and it's something you have to train in. And, and training to be a good worshiper, one of the important things to this is scheduling time to worship. This is really important. Like, it, it's kind of like if you wanted to, you know, get good at weightlifting, you have to join a gym, and then you have to schedule a time of, I'm going to go to the gym on these days at this time. If you don't schedule some time to go to the gym, you're never going to get better at weightlifting. You, you've got to schedule it, and worship is the same way. Now, you're here this morning, all right? So, yay, you got, you got corporate worship right this morning. Good job. Check. Uh, but the question is, uh, then, you know, what, what about the rest of the week, and, and do you prioritize this all the time? And so figuring out a way to schedule and prioritize worship is so, so important. And there's two sides of worship. In your notes, you can write them down. The, the first side is personal worship, and the second side is corporate worship, personal and corporate worship. And, um, and we are called in the Bible to do both of these. There are times where we're called on a regular, play, regular basis to slow our day down. And whether it's first thing in the morning, whether it's in the middle of the day, whether it's in the evening, for me to take some time and to pull aside and say, God, I want to reorient my life to you. I, I, I want to resurrender to you and, and I want to hear from you. And, and to do that on a daily basis is so important. You'll never be the effective, thriving, spirit-filled Christian that you want to be experiencing an authentic relationship with Jesus that you truly want, unless you do that on a regular basis, daily. But there's also a sense in Scripture that we're told that's not enough, that there is an importance of gathering together with the body of believers, and there's value in corporate worship what we're doing right here right now and so we're called to do both of these and, and here's what I want to tell you 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 can't 
just do the one you like best. You can't just say, well, I'm going to focus on one of these and not the other. Because here's, um, here's the challenge. Uh, first, we're going to read this passage in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. This is when it comes to personal worship. It says this, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Now, there are all kinds of ways you can worship. You, you can worship the Lord uh, when you go out into nature and, and you just experience the awe of, of how big God's creation is. And, and you can go and intentionally do that. In fact, Jesus regularly climbed mountains to pray. We see this over and over when Jesus would climb up a hill or a mountain to go pray. Um, so there's something about that. But sometimes I'll talk to people and they'll say, well, I worship God on the boat. Or I worship God on the golf course. Or I worship God, you know, you know and, and for, for those, I, I would say this becomes an excuse, right? It becomes just because you're experiencing nature and that you enjoy nature. Um, when I go on the Appalachian Trail, I encounter the Lord in some significant ways. As we're hiking the trail and I just, I'm just in awe of God's beauty and we'll get to a mountain peak and we'll see like this beautiful scenery and, and it, it's a beautiful thing. But I would say I would probably enjoy that even if I wasn't a follower of Jesus. Because there's just something about nature that relaxes me and I love and, and those are good things. And so being in nature uh, just to enjoy it doesn't mean it's an intentional, specific, scheduled time of worship. Now you can do that for worship, but you don't have to. You can worship God when you pray. You can worship God when you're reading your scripture or listening to scripture. There's so many ways you can worship. Um, but the one way scripture says that we are all called to worship on a personal level is defined here in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. And is this idea of climbing up on an altar, a spiritual altar, if you will, and saying, God, here I am, I'm all yours, and laying down on the altar and surrendering to him. And instead of taking our life, what God does is he gives it back to us and he says, all right, now I'm going to use you to accomplish my purposes in the world. And the thing this passage says is were these living sacrifices? You know what the problem with a living sacrifice is they keep wanting to crawl off the altar. It's just how it goes, right? I mean, we climb up on the altar and we say, God, I'm all yours. And then the next day we want to climb off and we want to control our life and do our own thing and and God says, no, 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 this is, this is daily. And so there is this initial decision to give God the steering wheel of our life, to, to surrender our life fully to him and climb up on that altar. But then every day after that, it is a daily decision to, as an act of worship, say, God, I'm yours today. I'm, I'm all yours. I'm surrendering to you. How can you I, I, however you want to use me, Lord, I'm, I'm yours to be used for your good, for your kingdom, I surrender again to you today. Lord, it's not my life, but it's yours. And, and doing that daily, is, and there's so many ways you can do that, right? You can do that by singing in your car, and you can do that by singing in the shower, and you can do that by taking a prayerful moment before you leave for work or in the middle of the day. But it's so important that you do that daily, personally. But there's also um, a, a passage in Hebrews chapter 10, 24 that talks about the importance of corporate worship. And, and so it's not just about personal worship, but it's corporate as well. Hebrews 10 says this, let us, 
Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. In other words, when we're together, we're able to kind of challenge each other and say, hey, let's motivate each other to do the kinds of things that God tells us to do. There's something about being together that we can motivate each other to accomplish more together. Verse 25 says, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. So throughout the whole Bible, you see this importance of personal worship, personal times of connecting with God, and corporate worshiping, where the people of God would gather together and worship corporately. And both of these are important. And you cannot just do the one you like best. And all of us in here have one of these that we lean towards over the other. Some of us lean towards, well, you know, it's, I just, when I, when I get alone with God, I mean, I just, it's so good, and, and I get my Bible out, and I have my prayer time, and it's just me and Jesus, and I just love it, and, you know, the, the church thing, I'm not, you know, it's not such a big thing, and, and maybe that's not you because you're here, but maybe you're watching online, and you're not part of a church, and, and you're watching online, and you're watching maybe several churches, and I would just say, wherever you're at, you need to find a home church that you're close to, uh, because you need people in your life, and, and just you and Jesus will get you so far, but you need community. You need community and people around you, and so some of us lean towards the me and Jesus, and, and just that personal worship, but then others of us lean towards just doing the church thing. Well, I, I mean, I'm in worship somewhat regularly, but I I, you know, it's just those, I, the personal devotions, I've never, you know, like listening to the Bible, reading the Bible, praying on, on you, know, you know, Monday through Saturday, not so much, but Sunday, or at least every other Sunday, I mean, I'm, I'm all in, right? Um, there's challenges if you pick one or the other of these. So let me, let me just unpack these for you. The two problems with just focusing on personal worship, but neglecting corporate worship is arrogance and vulnerability arrogance and vulnerability that you show me someone who says this just me and Jesus and we're just going to do this thing and we're you know I don't I don't need the church Um, the problem is is you tend to become arrogant because it's an arrogant statement to say I know the Bible tells me I need the church I know the Bible tells me I need corporate gatherings of worship but I don't think I do that's for everybody but me right Um, the reality is is you're violating God's word when you're not a part of the community because God's word clearly tells you you do need other people in your life and God's word tells you that those other people need you. So you're not only hurting yourself when you isolate from the body of believers, but you're also hurting the body of believers because God's given you gifts and he's given you things that he wants you to be a part of and and the body of believers misses out on those when you don't step in fully uh, and say, I'm, I'm going to be all in. And so there's arrogance, but there's also vulnerability because the thing is, is hard times will come. Difficult days will come. And, and the you and Jesus will get you so far, but when the hard times come, you need some people around you to help you. You need some people around you to encourage you. And God has sent you people, but sometimes they're not around because you left those people. And you said, I don't need those people. I'm just going to do the me and Jesus thing over here. And there's just problems with that. But then the, the other 
The other side of that coin is, is those of us who say, well, I'm going to do the corporate worship thing. I'm going to be a part of the church. I'm going to be there every Sunday, or at least every other Sunday. Um, and and I'm, I'm, you know, not, by the way, I'm not validating that every other Sunday you should be there every Sunday. I'm just saying that because in America right now, the average uh, is, is going every other Sunday. And somehow we've bought into that's okay. And I would just say to you, that's just because it's, everybody's doing it does not mean it's okay. We need corporate worship every week, right? There, there's something about every week saying, God, I'm going to reorient my life on a weekly basis to you. So um, I just wanted to clarify that I'm not validating that. I'm just, uh, so, um, just it's the norm in America right now, which is not good. Um, so, but the corporate worship side, the, the problem that you'll run into if you only do corporate worship and you never take personal time to do worship is you can get into cultural Christianity. You can get into cultural Christianity. And, and sadly, throughout history and throughout America and throughout the world, there are churches that are filled with cultural Christians. The, these, are, these are Christians that show up and they hear kind of the rules and the do's and the don'ts and they kind of like learn some things they should do and they shouldn't do and, and then they try to live their life based on what they experienced uh, and based on what others told them and based on what they saw other people doing but, but they never really come to a personal encounter and a personal relationship with a loving God who wants to be in relationship with them every day of the week and it just becomes religious activity it becomes checking religious boxes and and jumping through religious hoops but monday through saturday there's no authentic life-giving spirit-filled relationship with god where where you experience god not only working in you but working through you that there's just something about only doing the corporate worship and never having those personal encounters that, that becomes really problematic. So um, there, it's important that we do both of these, corporate and personal. Let, let's talk about what this looks like. Um, if you want to connect with a living God who has forgiven your sins, has allowed you a place and a home in heaven for all of eternity, um, then, then you ought to be as excited about worshiping that God as you are about other things you get excited about. So what I mean by that is there are some of us in the room that are more reserved in our nature, right? We're just introverted, more reserved. And then there are others of us who are a little bit more extroverted, a little bit more boisterous, a little bit more just kind of out there, all right? We're all different, all right? God created you. He knows your personality style, all right? This isn't about personality style, and this isn't about right and wrong, but this is about saying you should at least be as excited about Jesus as you are about other things you get excited about. All right, does that make sense? So if, 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 you're, if you're a man in this room and you signed up to be a part of this softball tournament and I see you going nuts at a softball game, but you're always so stoic and reserved in worship, there's a problem. There's a problem, right? If, if, if you go home and you are more excited about seeing your dog when you get home and you just, 
you know, you're so excited about your dog and you can't show a little bit of excitement about Jesus, there's a problem, right? We're all different. Some of our excitement levels are going to be bigger than others of us, but you should at least be as excited about God as you are about other things in your life that you get excited about. Uh, and, and again, we're all different, so it's not right or wrong. It's not some are better and some are worse. I, the Lord, um, Melanie and I are complete opposites on this. I am so extroverted. I am so just, I, that I'm so, I never meet a stranger. That's just how God made me. Melanie is very quiet, very reserved. And so one of the things that God has helped me understand in our marriage is that there is not right or wrong in ways in worship. There's just different people. But we all have to be at least as engaged with the Lord as we are with other things in our life. And so um, how, how, do we, how do we worship the Lord? Let me just offer you a thought. Um, when you start saying, what is the right way to worship God? Most of us, maybe, maybe it's not you, but most people, we start with, well, this is what I like. This is my tradition. This is my style. This is what I want. This is my preference. And what I would say to us is that's a really bad place to start. It's a really bad place for us to start by saying, this is what I like. This is my preference. This is my tradition. This is my style. Where we should start is saying, well, what does God's word say God likes? Um, if you want to be a person who loves well, you've got to discover how the other person receives love and what kind of love they want. That's, that's one of the keys to becoming someone who loves well. So for instance, Melanie and I, if I want to love Melanie well, I've got to discover what does Melanie like? How does Melanie receive love well? And then how can I do that better? It's not just about giving love to her the way I like to receive love. It's about me discovering how she likes to be loved and offering her love in those ways. And it's the same way with God. If we're going to love God, if we're going to worship God, we ought to love him in the ways that he says he likes to be loved. We ought to know and take some time to discover that. So John chapter 4, verse 23 to 24 says this. Jesus says, But the time is coming, indeed is now here, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And the Father is looking for those who will worship Him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. And so in your notes, you can write this down. What God wants in worship, God wants us to worship Him in spirit and in truth. So He wants... He wants us to have the right heart. He wants us to have the right heart. And I could unpack this in so many ways, but let me just, let me explain it like this. Um, in my life, I have been to some really awful worship services. <laughs> All right, I'm just telling you, like, I, I've been in church my whole life. I've been to some really, really bad worship services. I've been to worship services where the music was awful, where the preaching was, like, where, it, like, sawdust floor environments at camp meetings outdoors where it was so hot and there were, like, bugs everywhere. I mean, I've just been to a lot of, I've been to a lot of bad worship services, Okay. But some of those bad worship services, I went hungry, I went expecting, 
I went looking for God. I, my heart was in the right place. And no matter how bad the music was, no matter how bad the preaching was, no matter how hot it was, no matter what the environment was, somehow in the midst of all of that, God spoke to me. I met the Lord, and I, there was something that happened in me because I went hungry. I went expecting. On the other side, I've been to some amazing worship services. I, I've, I've been to worship services where, I mean, a 10 out of 10 on everything, right? The, the music, the environment, the the preaching, the, I mean, I've, I've been to those worship services, but I've been to some of those worship services, and I walked in, and my heart wasn't in the right place. I walked in, and, and I had a bad attitude. I walked in looking for something negative instead of looking for the Lord, and no matter how good it was, I missed it, and I had no connection with God because my heart wasn't in the right place. I'm just telling you, if you get the heart part right, all the other stuff goes away. You get the heart part right, and, and you will have some encounters with the Lord in worship, and you will experience God's presence, and, and you will truly be able to worship the Lord no matter what the environment, no matter what is going on, no matter how good something is or bad something is, you'll, you'll be able to worship the Lord because God says what I'm looking for is, is your heart. I want you to worship in spirit. I want you to it starts not with the outside stuff. It starts with what's going on on the inside. First Samuel sixteen seven says it this way. But the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. God's looking at our heart, and he's wondering, are we coming with the right heart and the right posture? First Samuel fifteen twenty two. It says, but Samuel replied, what is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice and submission is better than offering the fat of rams. In other words, God's not looking for the, the proper ritual uh, steps, right? I, I'm going to do these rituals and I'm going to follow these procedures and I'm going to do all these things. God's not looking for that. What he's looking for is our heart. And, and you can, listen, here's, this is important. Whether you're doing this personally or you're doing this corporately, you can actually go into an environment. You could be here this morning and you could stand there and you can watch everybody else sing. You can listen to a sermon and you can walk out and you could never have worshiped. Just because you're physically here doesn't mean you're worshiping. It doesn't. On a personal level, sometimes, um, and I, I shouldn't confess this, but there have been times where I've had a bad attitude, and I'm like, all right, I'm going to read my Bible, right? But I go with a bad attitude, and I'm just doing it because I have to or I should do it. And, and I, you know, I'm not really saying, Lord, I, I want to connect with you. I want to speak. I, I want to hear from you. I just, I'm checking a box. There have been times in my life where I've checked the box, and I've done that. And, and even though I was doing some of the right things, I didn't really worship. I was just checking a box. And there's a difference, and it starts in the heart. Matthew 15, 8 through 9 says, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And their worship is a farce. You can do all the churchy stuff right, and if your heart's not in the right place, God's not impressed. 
And you can really mess up a lot of the stuff and not get it right, not know how to do certain things. But if your heart's in the right place, God's pleased. God's pleased. The other piece to this, though, is, is he wants us to worship in spirit with the right heart and in truth. He wants us to worship according to his word. He, he wants us to worship as he tells us to, not as we want to. He wants us to, to align our life to his truth, not our truth. Um, we are all hardwired to be worshipers. It's just in our nature. You look throughout history, throughout the world, there's something in humanity that we're just, we're created with a longing to worship something, right? It's, it's in us. And, and people search for all kinds of things to worship before they find the one true God to, to give their life to and worship the only one who's worthy of our worship. But there's just something in us that is hardwired to worship. The other problem is, though, is we have sin in the world, and because there's sin in the world, we all want to worship a God who's created in our own image instead of worshiping the God who is revealed in Scripture. And what, what Jesus is trying to help us understand is, is God is looking for people who are going to worship with all of their heart, who are going to truly say, God, I'm here, and my heart is in the right place, but they're going to worship according to the truth of his word and not what I want to be true or not what I think is right. It's, it's ultimately God's truth that matters, not my truth. And so God wants us to have the right heart and God wants you to line up your life with the truth of scripture. So with the time we have left, and I don't have enough time, so I'm going to go faster. All right. Uh, with the time we have left, I want to give four practical ways that you can start a training regime. All right, so here it is. We're at the P90X. Okay, this is like, okay, what do I do, right? How do I train to be a better worshiper? We got, we got the understanding that's personal and corporate. We got the understanding of a definition of what we're trying to do. We're reorienting our life to God. How do we do it? What does it look like? So um, I'll tell you what I told the first service. The first one of these I'm going to spend a long time on, and you're going to get really nervous because you're going to think if he spends that much time on all four of these, we're in trouble. You're still in trouble, but not as bad as trouble as you think. All right, so uh, first one's going to be longer. Um, so here it is. Um, we, we need to do these four things. Now, there's a lot of ways that you can worship besides these four. These are not the only ways you can worship, but these are ways that Scripture says you should worship. These are, these are ways that the Bible talks a lot about in how we can worship. And so you can do all of these personally, and you can do all of these corporately, and you should. And number one is praise. And praise reminds me of who God is. If you read through the book of Psalms, you're going to see over and over and over the word praise, 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 praise. Uh, in fact, it's well over 200 times um, depending on what translation you're reading, uh, sometimes over 300. Um, but you're just going to find this word praise over and over and over throughout Scripture, particularly in the Psalms. And we praise God personally, and we praise God corporately. And when we do, we're just reciting His greatness, and we're reciting who He is and, and all of the good things about uh, His nature and, and all that He has done in the past. And so um, here's what you need to know about the word praise. We talked a little bit about this last week. Um, the, the word praise that is translated into English 
comes from a whole lot of different Hebrew words because the Old Testament was written in Hebrew. And it's always translated into English. And so there are a lot of words... Um, and if you're, if you're bilingual and you're here today, you understand that sometimes the English language is limited, all right? Um, and, and other languages just have more words sometimes than the English language. And this is an example of this. In, in the Hebrew, there are a lot of words for the word praise, but all we get is the one word, praise. So in, in your notes, you can see some of these that I've listed out, and, and there's a lot more. I'm just giving you some of the highest count numbers here. The first one is halal, and it just means to boast foolishly to make a show of it. And some of you are already uncomfortable with that. And you're like, yeah, no, don't like that one. Don't like that one. Not bo- foolishly make a boast? Uh, you know. The heartbeat of this is it's just visually demonstrating I'm with God visually demonstrating this is my team. Now, here, here's the thing about this. Um, th- this is where we get, this is the root halal, is where we get the root word hallelujah. Um, and uh, Yahweh is God, and so hallelujah is to halal God. That's, that's where we get the word hallelujah. And so some of you are like, I don't really say that word. That's fine, but that's where it comes from. Halal is the most common word that's translated into praise in the Psalms. It is translated 96 times that you find the word praise. It comes from this word halal. And this is the, this is the picture of it, all right? So think about a football game with some crazy guy with his face painted, all right? And he's going bananas. Uh, but you know whose team he's on, right? Because he's like all in for that team and his face is painted and you just know it, right? Um, this is that posture. It's, it's I'm not ashamed to publicly demonstrate that I'm with God and I'm for it. In some ways, this is a beautiful picture that we're talking about this today while we're going to do baptism. In some ways, baptism is a beautiful picture of halal. It is, I'm publicly demonstrating what God's done on the inside. I'm I'm publicly going to say, I'm with God. This is is who I am. This is where I'm at. That's the heartbeat of, of what halal is. Psalm 35, 18 says, then I will thank God in front of the great assembly. I will halal or I will praise you before all the people. It's, it's a public demonstration of my praise. The second one is, is tehillah, to praise vocally in song or shouts. This is the second most common word that's translated 56 times in the Psalms. This is translated uh, into the word praise. And it just means uh, to sing. And so where halal is a public demonstration, Tehillah is, I'm going to put words to that, and I'm, I'm going to sing some songs. So if you've ever wondered, why, why do we sing in church? Because God says he likes it. That's why. And this is why I would say you should sing in church, right? Now, I know this is, a, especially if you're new to church, and, and you're new to following God. This is why I say you have to like train to be a good worshiper. There's not, think about this, there's not a lot of places in our culture today where we do public singing together corporately, right? Think about that. Where else do we do this? 
It is a little bit a, a weird thing in our culture today. Now, historically, this was something that was done much more often and much more common. But in our modern day, there are very few places, unless you go to like a concert and you know the concert and you know the band really well and you're singing every word with them along, you know, there's very few places where we do corporate singing together. And so if you're new to church, you're new to following Jesus, it feels awkward sometimes. And you're like, well, I don't know the, I don't know the words, and I, I, don't know all, I don't know the melody, and I, maybe I don't like that melody, or I don't like this. And, and I would just say, the reason we do it is because God says he likes it. And the reason that you should sing along is not because you like it or not because you're good at it. You might stink at it, but we'll have the music loud enough where the person next to you won't hear you. Um, but you should do it because God says he likes it. It's one of the things that we should do because it's a way that we love God in the way that he likes to be loved. And so um, Psalm 51:15 says, Unseal my lips, O Lord, that my mouth may tehillah you. Now, just some of you, you need to pray that prayer. Unseal my lips. Your lips have been sealed for a long time. And, and God says, I like it when you sing to me. And maybe your prayer just needs to be, Lord, would you unseal my lips that my mouth may to heal you, which is singing to you. The third is zamar, to praise with instruments alone or with voices. Forty-four times this word is translated uh, from this Hebrew word into the word praise. And it, it's important to note, you don't actually have to sing. Zamar is worship all on its own, even if you don't have singing with it. So if you're, an, if you're a musician here, you can actually play music and worship the Lord just through music with no singing. There's something about music that God says he's pleased with. But here's what's cool. The first word, halal, is about a public demonstration of I'm with God. The second word is singing. It's putting words to it. And this third one is about moving that singing into quality. <laughs> it's, it's having precision with it. And I'll just say, we, we sing a lot better with musical help, all right? Um, we, we, could, we could do this a cappella, um, and there'd be nothing wrong with doing it in a cappella, but we just do it a lot better when we have some music with it. There's something about music that adds an element of precision, and what I, what I love about our musicians, and I'm so thankful for our musicians, uh, that you have no idea how much they practice um, and how much work goes into the precision so that we can have good corporate worship. And, and God says that's honoring to him. That excellence is pleasing to him. Um, and this is what the heartbeat of Zamar is. Psalm 150, three through six says this, Zamar him with the blast of the ram's horn. Zamar him with the lyre and the harp. Zamar him with the tambourine and dancing. Zamar him with strings and flutes. Zamar him with the clash of the cymbals. Zamar him with a loud clanging cymbal. So there he goes, not just you know the cymbals, but the loud cymbals. Um, and let everything that has that breathes sing praises to the Lord. So then the, the next two uh, are yada, to lift or throw arms upward and surrender. Universal symbol, when somebody would aim a gun at you, of I surrender, what is it? Somebody aims a gun at you, what is it? I surrender, right, hands up, right? I, hey, sorry, you know, uh, that's a universal symbol. Now, um, 
there is something about in worship lifting up our hands and saying, God, I'm, I'm surrendering to you. There's power in that. Um, now, so if you ever looked around church and you wonder, why are people raising their hands? That's why. People raise their hands because Scripture says God likes it. God likes it when we surrender. Now, again, I know some of us are more reserved and some of us are more animated. Your hand raising might look like this. That's okay. All right, you know, do this one, all right? Some of you, um, you're, you're going to be dancing in the back back there with your hands up high. You're like, this isn't about right or wrong, and we're all different personality styles, but there is something, no matter what your personality style, where God says, I like it when you lift your hands. That there's something powerful about that. Um, it's interesting, the next one, uh, actually, let me read this passage, Psalm 138.1. I will yada you, O Lord, with all my heart. Uh, uh, the next one is uh, todah, to lift hands in adoration. And it's interesting that of the top 10 words that are translated into praise, two of them have to do with lifting hands. I, I just find that fascinating. Um, there's something about this lifting of hands to God that pleases him. This one is, is less about surrender, and it's more about just lifting hands in adoration and almost just uh, kind of creating a funnel and saying, God, I'm, I'm here for you, and what would you have for me? And, and I'm available to you, kind of, a, a, of adoration and worship and praise. Um, Psalm 42, 4 says this, These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and todah among the festive throngs. So the, the last one is Barak, to bless by kneeling or bowing. And uh, this, is, this is not loving God with song. This isn't demonstrating worship through um, lifting of hands. This isn't through music. This is in kneeling or bowing. And, and again, personally, you can do this on your own. You can, you can kneel down uh, and, and, and spend time in prayer, kneeling at a chair or a couch or your bed. You, you can do this when we open altars. So this is, this is the reason that we periodically open up our altars and just say, would you like to come and pray? And um, It's just there's something. It's not that God can't hear you praying where you are, but there's something about praying and kneeling and bowing that God says he likes that posture that we take. Uh, of doing that. And so uh, when, we, when we open up these altars, it just creates space for you to worship in a different way, for you to in, encounter God in a, in a different space. And so um, Psalm 103 says, let all that I am barak the Lord, with all my heart I will barak his holy name. So you only get one word in the English, praise, 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 praise. But it's all of these different Hebrew words translated, and all those different Hebrew words had different connotations to the people of God. And so we should be doing these. If, if, if you want to grow in worship, if you want to train in your worship, here's your training regime, you should praise more while you worship. Personally, this is the reason when I do my personal devotions, I always include a worship song. I always include a worship song that I listen to and I sing along with in my own personal devotions. I just, I just do. There's something about music and there's something about singing to the Lord that God says pleases to him. So praise personally and corporately. And while you do that, include some different ways. Start, you know, um, if you went to the weight room and you only did the same machine every time, 
you, you wouldn't be a very well-rounded weightlifter, right? If you're praising and you're doing really good in one area, maybe try some other areas and grow in what God says he likes, not just what you like and not just what you prefer. The second one is this, and I'll go faster on these last three. I told you you were going to be really nervous if I didn't give you the heads up that I was going to spend longer on the first one. Second one is this, Thanksgiving. Um, this isn't about um, kind of declaring who God is and being reminded who God is. This is about being reminded what God has done. And here's, here's what I know. We will fear the future if we forget the past. We will fear the future if we forget the past. But if you will look back and you will see God's faithfulness in the past, it will give you confidence as you face difficulties in the future. And I know in this room, there are some of you that are facing really scary things in the future. And you know, you can try to, you know, it's not scary, it's not, no, it's scary, right? It's scary because it's scary because you got a bad health diagnosis. It's scary because it's financially scary, it's, it's relational in your family. There's scary things. And if, if you face scary things in the future and you don't take time to give thanks for his faithfulness in the past, you won't have the confidence to face the future uh, because you forget how faithful he has been in the past. There's something about keeping a gratitude journal. There's something about regularly saying, thank you, God, for this. Thank you for being faithful with this. The more we thank God, the more confident we are facing the scary things in the future. Psalm 103 through 4 says it this way, Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us and we are his. We are his people of his sheep, of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. There's those two, praise and thanksgiving. Give thanks to him and praise his name. These two, praise and thanksgiving, go hand in hand. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Philippians 4, 6-7, Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything and tell God what you need and thank Him for all that He has done. And after you've prayed and after you've thanked him for all that he's done, this is what will happen. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. The third one is this. You need to praise. You need to thanks, give, give thanks and, and, and practice thanksgiving. And the, the third one is you need to, to listen in worship. Whether that's corporate worship or whether that's private worship, you need to listen. I love Acts chapter 2, verse 42 says it this way. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to taking really good notes. No, it doesn't say that. I just added that in there. That was, that was me adding that. Uh, the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. So there, there was something uh, in there. They, they worshipped in many different ways, but one of those elements was, was listening to the teaching of God's Word. It was a significant element. And so uh, worship always includes listening, or it should always include listening. Personally, when you're doing your personal times of worship throughout the week, you should include Scripture reading. Because, or listening, as we talked about last week, whatever your learning style is, however you learn better. As you're listening to Scripture, as you're, as you're reading Scripture, what you're doing is you're saying, God, would you speak to me? I'm listening. 
when you pray, don't just do all the talking yourself. A part of your prayer time should be some dedicated, I'm going to shut my mouth and I'm going to listen to what you have to say to me. And sometimes the problem with our prayer life is we're the only ones talking while we're praying. And sometimes we just need to stop and say, God, I'm just going to be quiet and I'm going to listen. And that we would listen to the still small voice of the Holy Spirit to speak to us. Corporately, um, this is, you know, we, we worship in a lot of different ways. We worship in song. We worship when we take communion together. We, we worship when we give. Uh, but part of our worship is when we corporately do what we're doing right now and we listen to the teaching of God's word and we, we receive and we say, God, would you speak to me through your word and would you help me understand what it is you want me to do more and more clearly? And so um, some of us, maybe you feel like God never talks to you. Maybe the problem is, is that God's not talking. Maybe the problem is, is you're not stopping to listen enough. That, that you're just racing so hard that you're not stopping to be quiet and listen for the still small voice of the Spirit. And then the last one is this, sacrifice. Sacrifice realigns my priorities. So we need to, we need to praise. We need to practice thanksgiving. We need to practice listening. But there is an element of sacrifice um, and, and the first sacrifice is when we climb up on that altar and we say, God, I'm yours, and we surrender to him fully. But then there's this daily sacrifice after that where God's going to call you to do some stuff. God's going to ask you to do something. And the next time God asks you to do something hard, you, you need to say yes, because it's when we sacrifice to the Lord that, that it is an act of worship that is pleasing to the Lord. Um, it, reali- it helps us remember, I'm not God. I'm, I'm actually n- nobody, right? I'm way down here, and God is the one who spoke the entire universe into existence. And when I sacrifice, it just realigns my priorities and helps me remember who is God. And Romans 12:1, which we've already read, and so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you, give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that he will find acceptable. This is truly the way that we worship him. And Hebrews 13, 15 to 16 says it this way, Therefore, let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to his name. And don't forget to do good and to share with those in need. These are the sacrifices that please God. So there's something about when we're compassionate to people who are in need and who are, are, are in need of help from us and from the Lord, when we meet those needs, that God sees that as a sacrifice that's pleasing to him. So as you worship the Lord corporately, and as you worship the Lord personally in the next weeks, my prayer is that we would just say, Lord, would you help us to train to be better worshipers? And, and, and would you give me the boldness to try some exercises that maybe I haven't tried. Maybe you've never done a gratitude journal. Maybe you've never lifted your hand in worship. Maybe, maybe you've never knelt down uh, at home and said, instead of just praying while I'm walking around, I'm going to kneel down on my bed and I'm going to pray. Maybe, maybe there's different ways of, of listening to the Lord where you've been doing all the talking, but you need to listen. What, what are those areas that you can say, Lord, help me to train to be a better worshiper. I want to pray with us, and then we're going to close uh, in song together. Father, I thank you for your...
presence that is here. I thank you for your faithfulness and your goodness uh, to meet us right where we are. Lord, we, we have gathered here today to truly reorient, reorient our lives to you. We, we are in absolute recognition that there's just so many distractions that, that pull our heart and our mind away from you to this world. And so Lord, as we gather together corporately and as we gather together in our, in our personal moments uh, just throughout the week, I pray that you would help us be better worshipers, that we would worship you in the way that you ask us to worship, that we would worship you in a way that would be pleasing to you. Lord, we just pray that uh, here in these moments, you would be pleased with our worship, that we would recognize there's an audience of one, that you would unseal our lips, that we would be a people who would declare your praise for all that you've done. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.